Alright, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash ringslore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash ringslore, expressvpn.com slash ringslore to learn more. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. Let's go back to Doriath, to the underground halls of Thingol and Melian. I want you to picture in your mind, as I talk to you in this echoey chamber, as I'm sure it probably was, these were caverns underground. It's part of what kept Doriath so safe, was even if people made it into the forest, they didn't necessarily find the underground kingdom. Think about the elves that lived in Mirkwood, similar to that. And I want you to imagine being Thingol or Melian and sitting on your thrones in the midst of your subjects, potentially having conversations with those of your court who were concerned about the growing power of Morgoth and the dark tidings, the things that were and weren't being reported from the outside world. For example, Thingol wouldn't know what happened to the dragon helm of Dor Loman, or of Belig's final days. Word of these things would not have made its way back yet to the kingdom of Doriath. And in the midst of this scenario, in walks some guards from the front doors of the king's throne room. And with them, are two humans, two women, with pale skin, and the older of the two, with dark hair, but probably graying at this point. Morwen would be over 50 years old by now. Remember her? She's Turin's mother. She has dark hair, or at least used to have darker hair, much like Turin himself. In fact, Turin looked a lot like his mom. And at her side, a golden-haired young woman, Neonor, whom Turin never met. These two tall, 
pale-skinned humans walk into Thingol's court. They had made the dangerous journey from their home all the way to Doriath, survived the borders of the forest, and were brought now by the guards in front of Thingol, asking, Where is Turin? And Thingol can only respond here that he does not know that Turin left and that there have been no tidings of the dragon helm, that he has somehow vanished from the land and nobody knows where he's gone, if he still survives. And you can imagine, as a mother, Morwen did not want to hear this news. She was hoping to finally be reunited with her son because things had turned very dangerous in their homeland. And she was hoping that he would still be safe in Doriath. But he was not there. And you have to remember, Thingol in this story is not the same... uh, He's the same person, but he's not of the same mindset. He's a different and changed person than he was during the story of Baron and Luthien. This Thingol understands the value of mankind, of their potential. And he's much more caring to these outsiders than he would have been a hundred years previous. And so even though he can't give Morwen and Neonor good news or reunite Morwen with her son, he can take care of them and keep them safe. So Thingol welcomes the two of them into his care, treats them as honored guests, and allows them to stay, with the hopes that they would soon hear something, some word of what happened to the dragon helm of Dor Loman. Now, we know, since we've been reading the story together, that Turin is still alive, and he's actually doing very well. He's a welcomed guest of high honor in Nargothrond, and the elves there know that he is an absolutely amazing warrior. He is extremely capable, and he's not even wearing the dragon helm anymore. He's wearing this dwarf armor with this terrifying face that covers his head completely and he wields the black sword and none of the enemies that he is facing in the fields defending the area around Nargothrond know that he is the same individual who fought at these other locations previously and terrorized the orcs before And as we get into this section, you have to remember, because there are some things that happen in this story, just like many of the other stories in the Silmarillion, where you go, really, would he have that much influence or would they really make that decision? It doesn't sound like a good idea. The idea, for example, of Nargothrond revealing itself and laying down a bridge across the river as basically a signpost to anybody going by that, hey, there is an important place right over here (laughs) and the elves are nearby. You might want to deal with that if you were one of the bad guys. But you have to remember that Turin is extremely powerful 
extremely proud, extremely influential, just like we talked about last week. He presents himself in a way that the elves can relate to. They see him as a very elvish man and a very capable one at that. He's impressive for a human in a way that intrigues them. Now, we're given at the beginning of this section a date. 495 years had passed since the rising of the moon in the spring of the year. And I'm curious how you feel about that. Think about how long it's been since we talked about the rising of the moon for the first time and the sun. It's almost 500 years since that date. And in those 500 years, not a lot happened for a while. And then all of a sudden a lot did with the battles and the, the danger that the elves and the men are facing at this point. And we're told that now we're back in Nargothrond and in that year, they get a visit to Nargothrond of two individuals, two elves who were of Angrod's people, Gelmir and Arminas or Arminas, probably Arminas, if pronunciations seem to be what they're supposed to be, right? So Gelmir and Arminas. And they were two elves who fought in the Dagger Bragalak. And since then, they had lived and dwelt in the south with Círdan, the shipwright. Remember this? Círdan's location is south of Nargothrond. It's a little bit more safer from the forces of Morgoth, although the orcs have been scouting the entire coastline, all of that stuff. And so the two of them travel north to Nargothrond in order to bring news. The orcs and evil creatures are mustering. In Arid Withrin, the Pass of Sirion, which we've mentioned both of those locations before. But this isn't just oh, there's orcs out there. We know there's orcs out there. This is, they are forming something. They are coordinated. There are forces out there doing something that hadn't been done previously. And how do they know this? Because Ulmo himself, the Valar, the Lord of the Waters, went to Círdan directly Kierden and Ulmo, I would imagine, have kind of a uh, long-standing relationship. He is the he is the shipmaker. You would imagine that Kierden prays to Ulmo daily for the safe return of his ships and the people that he's sending out into the waters. Ulmo brings to Kierden a warning, and from Kierden to these two elves, Galmir. Arminas, the message is brought back to Orodreth, who is ruling Nargothrond at this point. And the passage goes like this. Hear the words of the Lord of Waters, said they to the king. Thus he spoke to Círdan the shipwright. The evil of the north has defiled the springs of Sirion, and my power draws from the fingers of the flowing waters. But a worse thing is yet to come forth. Say, therefore, to the Lord of Nargothrond, shut the doors of the fortress and go not abroad. Cast the stones of your pride into the loud water, that the creeping evil may not find the gate. 
This is a very direct warning. This is something that we don't normally get. Usually when we have the Valar doing something in the world, or at least there's an allusion to them doing something to the wor- in the world, or, or there's a hint of it. So, for example, the thunderstorms and the lightning making the orcs scared that Manway was bringing some sort of terrible weather to bear on them or whatever, right? Like those kinds of things. But we don't normally get Ulmo himself going to one of the elves and having a conversation and saying, take this back to this person because they need to know this. This is a very serious thing. And you would imagine that the elves would probably react to this or respond in a way that would make sense. We're told that Orodrith was troubled by the dark words of the messengers, but, and the passage says here, Turin would by no means hearken to these counsels, and least of all would he suffer the great bridge to be cast down, for he was become proud, hang on to that word, and stern, and would order all things as he wished. In this moment, we have this kind of swinging back and forth of Turin's personality. He goes from being depressed and almost non-responsive to being so proud and headstrong as to not listen to the warning of the Lord of the ocean. And this is that moment that I'm, I'm talking about. You would think that the rest of the elves would know better than this man from some other location. The elves have been around for centuries. Some of these elves have actually met the Valar and lived with them and know about what happens when they don't heed the warnings of the Valar. The Valar are wise and powerful. They understand the methods of Morgoth because they've been dealing with him since he went by the name Melkor during the forming of the very world. If there was anybody else to trust out there and to heed their warnings, it would be the Valar. If anyone else at all, you should heed the warnings of the Valar. But Turin has too much sway among the people in Nargothrond, and he demands that they maintain the bridge and that they continue to fight the orcs who are encroaching on their lands. And we get this passage here. Soon afterwards... Handir, lord of Brethel, was slain, for the orcs invaded his land. Remember this. This is Handir of Brethel. We're talking about locations that aren't Nargothrond yet, but reasons why Morwen and Neonor may have been fleeing from where they lived in order to find Turin again and hide in Doriath. It goes on and says, And Handir gave them battle, but the men of Brethel were worsted and driven back into the woods. And in the autumn of the year, biting his hour, Morgoth loosed upon the people of Narog, the great host that he had long prepared. We've seen this before. We've seen what happens when Morgoth bides his time, prepares a host, Make sure that it's ready and it doesn't bust out of the gates ahead of time, Glorung, <laughs> but creates a force. And usually when this happens, it is on a scale 
well beyond anything that the elves have imagined or feared. And speaking of Glorong, he's still around. In fact, he goes with this host. And we're told, and Glorong, the Uraloki, passed over on Foglith and came thence into the north vales of Sirion. And there did great evil. Under the shadows of Arid Wethrin, he defiled the Ithil Ivrin, and thence he passed into the realm of Nargothrond, and burned the Talith Dirnin, the guarded plain between Narog and Tiglin. So there's some other name locations here. You'll remember Ithril Ivrin, the origins of the, the, the river, or like the waterfall area. He defiles it. This is the source of the river. And you have to think back to the description of Glorung specifically, but also other dragons. Dragons weren't just dangerous because they could do something like breathe fire or were gigantic monsters that would eat you if you got too close to them. Glorung himself puts out a, it's like a toxic, destructive, I don't know, it's a gas and liquid. He just, just to be around him is dangerous. And you also have to remember that Glorung at this point does not fly. He is not a flying dragon. He is a worm. He is a creature that crawls on the ground on great limbs and his belly slithers across the ground. And everywhere he goes, his very presence corrupts the ground and nature around him. He is the antithesis of everything the elves are supposed to be. When the elves go to a place, they bring life, they grow plants, they become one with nature, they merge with the nature, and they, and they work together symbiotically to create something beautiful and greater than what would have been there before. Glorong does the opposite. He corrupts and destroys in his very nature. And he has now worked his way from the north down south into the realm of Nargothrond. If there was any question if Morgoth had noticed Nargothrond showing up on the map, then you don't have to question anymore. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. 
Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. All right, let's do the middle of the show thing. It's time to thank our new patrons for signing up and all of our patrons for being here and supporting this. So first of all, thank you to everybody. Thank you even for just listening. Even if you're not a patron, thank you for being here and listening to the show. I really do appreciate you. All right, so let's get through the list. We've got Colin W., Emily M., uh, scrolling up, uh, Ava W., um, Simon U., Josh W. And then I'm going to scroll up some more. Uh, Josh P. Michael C. Uh, Dimitri T. And uh, Peace Lutheran Church in Alberta. Thank you. Welcome. I'm glad you guys are here. And welcome to the Patreon. That puts us at 266 patrons. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't know why I said it that way. I think I've been hanging out with my mom too much. Um, my parents recently moved and are closer to us. <laughs> and my my mom's originally from New Jersey. And sometimes she says things like that uh, half jokingly. But I think that's really just her true self seeping out. Anyway, uh, enough of my personal life. We also have to shout out our VIP patrons. So let's go down that list. Let me see. Where are we at with that? We've got uh, Bo and Brad S. Brandy D., Chewbacca, David M, Esoteric Rage, Jesse P, Larry, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Sam B, Shannon L, Tyler M, and that's it. And that's it. That's a ton of people. Thank you so much to all of you. Also, we have some new reviews. Oh, and by the way, if you want to sign up on the Patreon, you want to get in on ad-free episodes or tier two where you get the bonus episodes every week, lots of awesome content out there with bonus episodes, speculation, conversations between me and the patrons and messages they've left back and forth. Go to patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast. You can check all that stuff out. This uh, review section will be pretty quick today. We have two new reviews that came in. This one's from Genie245 in the US who writes, Great podcast. I'm reading the book and was really confused on what was going on, but I found this podcast and it helped me better understand the book and the other stuff more. So thank you so much, Genie. I'm really, I'm really glad you found it. I'm glad it's able to help. And um, thank you for leaving the review. We also have one from Logan the Hobbit. I don't know a Logan, but now I guess I do, Uh, who says, and this is from the U.S., who says, love this lore cast. I just wanted to say thank you, Tom, for bringing the beautiful world of Tolkien to work with me. I just finished LOTR for the first time and I'm starting the Silmarillion. I've listened to the podcast twice and it has helped me understand the book much more. Keep up the great work. Well, thanks for thanks for double listening. That's awesome. Logan. And uh, Jeannie, thank you so much. If you'd like to leave a review, then you can do that on Apple Podcasts. Even if you have an account and you don't listen to the podcast on that platform, you can still leave a review there. Five-star reviews will be read out in the future. Also, you can rate the show on Spotify. Um, I've had some people write, even just on the Patreon, is there a place to leave a review on the Patreon? Not really. Not really a place to do that. It's not like anybody searches the Patreon for a comment that leaves a review or it doesn't really work that way. But if you do listen on another location, you can leave a review there as well. All right. That's going to do it for the middle of the show. Let's get on with the rest of the story.
So you can imagine once the elves of Nargothrond and Turin notice that Glorong has been released out into the world again and is coming for them. It's too late. It's too late to take down the bridge. It's too late to go back into hiding. This is a fight that they cannot escape. The passage here says, Then the warriors of Nargothrond went forth, and tall and terrible on that day looked Turin, and the heart of the host was upheld as he rode on the right hand of Orodrith. You have Turin and Orodrith, the king of Nargothrond, the leader of the elves, side by side, ready to go to war with the forces of Morgoth on their own. The last time armies clashed, we know what happened. Almost all of the groups of elves gathered together, except for some of the hidden locations, and they together at the height of all of their power were not able to stand against Morgoth. There's a reason why that conflict is called the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. And in this situation, you have a host of orcs and a dragon bearing down on Nargothrond. And we know how terrible it is because the passage says, but far greater was the host of Morgoth than any scouts had told. And none but Turin, defended by his dwarf mask, could withstand the approach of Glarung. I'm going to pause there. I don't know exactly what that means. Did the mask shield his face from the terrible sight? Was it a visual thing? Was it a, a fear thing? Was it something like the Nazgul projecting this fear wherever they went and somehow the mask kept him from that? Was it a toxin kind of thing? The, the gases were coming out and somehow the mask filtered out the gas. It's not explained here, but it gives us another understanding of how powerful Turin is. And whether it's through the use of the mask or not, the fact that he is standing when the elves themselves cannot is not something that happens among the mortal men very often. And the battle begins. The fighting starts, and we're told that the elves were driven back and pressed by the orcs into the field of Tumhalad between Ginglith and Narog. And there they were penned. They basically were for forced back into a little corner of the landscape where they couldn't get out. It didn't matter how much pride and arrogance, maybe even, these elves brought with them into this battle. They were overwhelmed by the numbers. It says here, On that day, all the pride and host of Nargothrond withered away, and Orodrith was slain in the forefront of the battle. And we're not given a description of what Orodrith did. Did he take on Glarung himself? Was he surrounded by a host of orcs? How did that happen? Or was it just a, a stray arrow? We don't know. We don't know. He doesn't get one of those great endings like some of the other elves. We just know that he didn't survive. He was at the front line with his men 
So there's honor in that. But we don't know exactly how he was killed. And Gwyndor, son of Gulin, was wounded to the death. Remember Gwyndor? He doesn't make it either. And Turin comes to his side. It says here, but Turin came to his aid and all fled before him because of the the mask. The dwarf mask was scaring them away. And he bore Gwyndor out of the route and escaped into a wood there and laid him on the grass. And we're given this conversation as we've been given before in situations much like this, where a dying character has their final words with the hero of the story or, or whoever. And some of you guys are probably catching on to the patterns here at this point, but you bet there's going to be some wisdom and maybe some foreshadowing in Gwyndor's final words. Then Gwyndor said to Turin, let bearing pay for bearing, but ill-fated was mine and vain is thine. So what is that? I mean, this sounds Shakespearean, right? Let bearing pay for bearing. Basically, I saved you. Remember that? And you carry me off here to try to save me. But my bearing is ill-fated. I am not going to survive this. And then he gives him a dig. And vain is thine. Your bearing is vain, basically. For my body is marred beyond healing. And I must leave Middle-earth. He knows his time has come. He's not going to survive the wound that he just got. And though I love thee, son of Hurin. Interesting point. Another, let's, let's break this for a moment. Remember he was speaking against him? This shows that Gwyndor's warnings to Findulas and to the other elves weren't because he didn't love Turin. It was because he could see in him the danger, the curse. Turin's doom was there. And he had eyes that could see that. And he knew enough to warn them of what would happen if they follow him. And look where they are now. In exactly the situation Gwyndor was trying to avoid. And it takes Gwyndor's life. And though I love thee, son of Hurin, yet I rue the day that I took thee from the orcs. Basically, I wish that never happened because we wouldn't be here right now. But for thy prowess and thy pride, still I should have love and life, and Nargothron should yet stand a while. Now if thou love me, leave me. Haste thee to Nargothrond, and save Findulus. And this last I say to thee, she alone stands between thee and thy doom. If thou fail her, it shall not fail to find thee. Farewell. Quite, quite the exit speech. I mean, this is, this is a potent situation. Let's recap this for a second. But for thy prowess and thy pride, still I should have love and life, and Nargothrond should yet stand a while. If it wasn't for you and your stupid 
good ability to beat up a bunch of orcs and your pride and the, your ability to convince the rest of these elves to do this thing that has now ruined all of this. I would still have love in life and Nargothrond would stand for a while longer. Basically, he's saying this is your fault. This is your fault. But in the end, I will give you a warning because I still love you. Even though you did this thing that killed me and will probably destroy Nargothrond, I still love you. And if you love me, heed my last words. You didn't listen to me before. Listen to me now. Go back to Nargothrond. Save Findulas. Even though you know that you don't love her and want to be with her, even though she loves you, go save her. And this last I say to thee, basically, she alone stands between you and your doom. If you fail her, your doom will find you. <laughs> and then he says farewell. How would you respond? We'll find out more next week about what Turin does about this. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio, or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes, or just search Robots Radio Discord, or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.